to speak to you guys. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then, because uh, i got a lot to say, we're going to jump right in for time's sake, okay? So, uh, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, just allowing us to come together and just gather in your name, in your presence, God. And thank you so much for joining us here today, God, and just embracing us all. God, I pray that you would just, uh, you have your way up here on this pulpit today throughout this church. God, that you would uh, remove me from the equation. God, that it would be you speaking. It would be your truth, your word, your heart, that your heart would be revealed about how you want us to have freedom, how you want us to live an abundant life, and how you want us to walk in victory. God, I pray that you just uh, soften hearts, open eyes today, remove scales, God, and just open minds, God. And I pray that um, it's just solely your word today. Give me the courage to speak your word straight from this book without fear, without reservation. God, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, uh, to titles, the title of today's sermon is Warfare. If you would put that up for me. Warfare. And so, uh, we all know what holiday it is today, right? Halloween. So, some of y'all are like, oh, snap. He about to get spooky. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, but really, but really, uh, so some people, when I mentioned that, some people were like, oh, man, we about to start talking about some weird stuff. And then some other people were like, oh, he's about to get to the good stuff. You know what I mean? So, so if you're in any, either one of those spots, I need you to come to the middle because the devil likes both. He likes the skeptic who doesn't believe any of the supernatural is possible, but he also likes the person who sees a demon or a spirit in everything. And we got to realize that there is a middle ground. There is truth on both ends, and we got to be using discernment to pick out and realize what's true and what this book and what this word says. Amen? All right, so we're going to jump in here. We're going to start off with my boy Paul in Acts chapter 13. So uh, if you would throw that up on the screen for me. So real quick, real backstory. Paul is doing his preaching thing. Everybody say preaching thing. And uh, he's in the temple teaching about Jesus. He's in, uh, I believe, Antioch at this time. And so He's letting them know about Jesus, and as he's preaching to them, he leaves them and ends on this note here, and this is where we're picking up. He says in uh, chapter 13, verse 40, he says, Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Everybody say prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wander, and perish, for I'll work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And so what I want to talk about is what he's referencing here in this scripture, okay? So he said back in the prophets, and what he's actually talking about here is back in Habakkuk, and it's word for word. That's how we know that's what he's referencing. And so um, we would throw that scripture up in Habakkuk for me, Nick. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Behold, ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder a marvelous, for I will a work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told to you. So that is the exact same words that he just said, correct? And so Paul is quoting this because he's warning them about what's to come. And so he's talking about here in the next verse. For lo, I'll raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Everybody say dwelling places that are not theirs. So Paul, in talking to the church, he is 
referencing the Chaldeans. Everybody say Chaldeans. So to really understand what his warning is about, we got to know what the Chaldeans are. And so bear with me for a bit. I'm going to be laying a foundation, a bit of foreknowledge so we can get into the meat of this message, but it's going to take some time, so bear with me. But um, Paul was speaking in Acts saying, beware of the Chaldeans. And the Chaldeans were a tribe of people who were ruthless, who were savages, who would do anything to get to victory, to win, to take control, to usurp, to, to take over. And go ahead and fill that next verse up. I want to read a little bit more about just what they do. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are also swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from afar. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. So we're going to stop there. I want to break down some more. So it's important to grasp that Paul is in the future in this time. We're in Acts when we're talking, when Paul's referencing this past book. So in Jeremiah 50 and 51, God wiped out the Chaldeans, completely and utterly destroyed them. He, he, he took them off. He had people go in, God's kingdom, God's people, remove them from the face of the earth. And see, it even says in there that they, none of their descendants, none of their people, they're, they're no longer here. They were a horrible, horrible tribe, and he wiped them out. And so for Paul to be saying, beware the Chaldeans in a future time is strange. And so the people in the book were like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? The people in the church were like, what, what do you mean Chaldeans? It makes no sense. But in the Bible, whenever we talk about certain things, they don't always mean just that. For instance, when we talk about the serpent, we know that means what? Satan, the devil, correct. When we talk about scorpions and wolves and the creeping things, that, that's usually referring to demons and, and Satan and his armies. And, and that's exactly what this is referencing as well. The Chaldeans was just another word for demons. And Paul was saying, I need y'all to be aware of them, to be aware of them, to be focused. And not only that, but prepare yourselves for them. He was warning them about what's to come, about what is happening, and being willing to open their eyes and see that. And so I want to jump into a few scriptures here. And so you're welcome to turn with me. If you want to get the scriptures from me later, I can just give them to you later. I know it's going to be a lot today, but just bear with me. Uh, we're going to Mark chapter 5. <laughs> I'm just going to read it, and then we'll sum it up real quick. And they came over onto the other side of the sea into the country of the Guardians. And when he has come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. So time out real quick. This is Jesus uh, he told the disciples to go across the sea. He was on the boat. Uh, we are familiar with the story. Most people, if you're not, it's okay. I'm going to sum it up for you real quick. Um, they're on the boat. Jesus is sleeping on the boat. And the disciples are like, oh, my gosh, the storm's coming. We're about to get wiped out. You told us to go across the sea. But now we're sketched out. Jesus, wake up. And Jesus is like, it's all good. And he calms the sea. 
He calms the storm, and they go on their merry way. It's all Jesus got the back. You know what I mean? Someone say, Jesus got my back. So Jesus has his back. So we're picking up right after that. They finally touch on the other side. And as soon as they land, as if they hadn't had enough craziness already, as soon as they land, a man with an unclean spirit comes to him who had his dwelling among the tombs, which just means he was in the cemetery. That's where he liked to hang out. Anybody like to hang out in the cemetery? All right, cool. Just make it. Whoa! <laughs> Put your hand out. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, so, so he had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him. No, not with chains. Keep going for me. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains. Fetters are just chains on your ankles. And the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters were broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Keep going for me. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee? Jesus, the Son of Most High God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Keep going for me. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And we besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And their herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about a thousand. I'm sorry, there were about 2,000. Everybody say 2,000. And we're choked in the sea. We're going to wrap up right there. So real quick, I want to point out a few things that was in this scripture. One, this is Jesus dealing with a spirit. This is Jesus dealing with someone going through a battle. Can, can we all agree there? I mean, he, he, he's in a bad spot. He's in a bad position. And he's struggling. I just want to point out a few things before we move on from this. It says, when the unclean spirit saw him immediately, he ran to him and worshipped him. But then, following right after that, he said, Lord of the Most High, please don't torment me. Guys, that was a battle going on right then and there. And if you're struggling, if you're going through something, no matter what it is, you can run to God. You can run to him and say, God, I'm dealing with this. I need help. God, I'm struggling in this area. I need help. This man was demon-possessed as clear as day. And Jesus set him free. Jesus removed the spirits. And so we got to pay attention here because it said, he said to the spirit, what, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for I am many. Guys, first off, Legion is a, uh, I believe, a Roman soldier type of grouping, and that is between 3,000 and 6,000 soldiers, somewhere in that range. It could be anywhere between there. And so it said earlier, I mean later in the passage, that they left and went into about 2,000 swine. So there's no telling how many actually were there because that was just in that one man. So obviously multiple can be in one person. You know what I mean? There, it's, it was countless 
demons in this man. And Jesus expelled them all. Somebody say them all. So we're going to hit more back on this later. I want to go to another scripture. If you would uh, put up that next one for me, Nick. Everybody give Nick a hand. Nick back there killing it. Come on, that's my dog right there. So this is another encounter. But this time it's not Jesus. It's my boy Paul. Everybody say Paul. I like Paul a lot, y'all. I think he's my favorite apostle. Anyway, so Paul and them are doing this preaching thing again. Everybody say preaching thing. And... That's just where we're picking up. He's in the city doing his preaching thing. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. And so real quick, I normally read out of the King James Version, but this is the Holman Christian Standard Bible Version because I like the way they say something. I'll, I'll show you that in just a second. Anyway, it says, a slave girl met us who had a spirit of prediction. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation are the slaves of the Most High God. That sounds like some good stuff right there, right? She's preaching. She's saying good things. But she, didn't it just say she was possessed? So it's a little bit, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. It's a little confusing. Keep that in mind, though. And she did this for many days. Somebody say days. But Paul was greatly aggravated. Say aggravated. Get aggravated. Somebody say aggravated. No, Anyway. And turning to the spirit, Paul said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out right away. So we're going to stop right there. I'm, I'm, I'm saying all these scriptures. I'm going through all these points to let you know that demons are real. And if you could throw that first point up for me, Nick. We, we've got to grasp that. We, we've got to quit thinking that we're on this earth alone. We've got to quit thinking that. All the spiritual spooky, oogie boogie, oogie. That's what the devil wants, guys. He wants us living in denial with scales on our eyes, covered up, not seeing anything. So we live in defeat. So we go around like that man at the tomb, just struggling and battling and not running to Jesus about what the issue is. We got to wake up. We got to see what's real. And we got to be aware of it. So back in Habakkuk. If you will pull that up for me, chapter 1, verse 5. Sorry, Nick, I know I got you jumping around, man. Lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. Remember, I told you, keep that dwelling places in mind. We'll get to it in a second. Keep going for me, Nick. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses are also swifter than the leopards and more fierce than the evening wolves. I want to hone in on that part. Now, remember, I told you there's a few words that also meant demons. Wolves was one of those, correct? So, I just want to talk about a few other scriptures in the Bible that talk about wolves. And so, if we could go to Ezekiel for me, Nick. Our princes in the midst thereof. And it's talking about just the city. Are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. Go to the next one for me. Zephaniah 3 3. In the city within her are warring lions, her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw not the bones till the marrow. If you could go to Acts for me, Nick. 
And so they're, they're saying all these things about wolves and how treacherous, how conniving, how serious, how, how savage, how vicious they are. And it's referencing the Chaldeans to the same. Bless you. And then, sorry, I don't know why I said that. Anyway, so uh, this is Paul speaking again. He says, for I know this, that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. This is Paul in a church preaching, guys. He's talking to them, and he's telling them to beware of the wolves coming in. Go to that next one for me, Nick. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll read it on mine. Uh, hold on. Let me pull it. Let me flip to it. Let me flip to it. <laughs> Here we go. So back at Acts 20, 29. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. Let me turn this page. Well, I got the sticky fingers. Here we go. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the church of God, which have purchased with his own blood. For I know that this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. And so in 29, he's saying, watch out for wolves. They're coming once I leave. And a lot of times, people try to say wolves are people. You know, they're the conniving people who are in the, in the church, who, are, who got ill intent, who, who do wrong things, who, who try to lead people astray, you know, the false preachers and all that. But then immediately after that, in verse 30, he says, also of your own selves, everybody say own selves, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw you away, disciples after them. So, if he was already talking about wolves, why would he say, again, that also your own selves would draw other people away? Guys, it's because he's not talking about people. He's not speaking about people. He's talking about, he's talking about demons. He's talking about spirits. He's talking about things that are out to kill, steal, and destroy you. That is their only goal. And if we're sleeping on this, if we're not paying attention and we're thinking only people is what we got to worry about, we're mistaken. That makes us vulnerable. That makes us weak. That puts us into the position that the devil wants us to be in. And again, I'm going through all this because I want you to be aware. I want you to see exactly what we're dealing with here. So I want to talk a little bit about wolves. Um, some scientists did a study. I'm horrible with names. I can't remember who. But they did a study on wolves and just like their mannerisms and what, what they do and how they, how they attack and how they, and they were watching them. And they said when a wolf seems docile and uninterested, it's actually studying you. And they were watching them in the wild. And they were fall off and it was a lone wolf by itself. And they said, in fact, when it seems the most like it's not paying attention to you, it is sizing you up to decide whether or not it can take you. A wolf, if its conditions are perfect, is not going to attack you on its own. It wants the flock. It wants to find the weak one. It wants to find the prey. It wants to find you in your weakest moment and then go in for the kill. 
And this is what the Bible is referring to us the Chaldeans as. And we're knowing that Chaldeans now are demons. Wolves are referencing demons. Scorpions. Serpent. They're referencing Satan and his army. And we've got to be aware of that. And when we realize that, we can see more in depth of what he's talking about and what he's warning about. The Chaldeans, um, where they lived was in marshes. They liked the murky, the mulky plain. They used the terrain to their advantage. When people would be going through, trudging through, they'd be slowed down. They'd be stopped. They'd be murking through, walking through some mud. You ever, you ever went, I don't know, walking, went mudding, got stuck? You're in the mud, your boot comes off, you're like, oh, crud, now my sock's muddy. It's a bad experience. I don't advise it. But anyway, <laughs> so this is what they did. They waited for people to come into their terrain, to walk in the mud, and get stuck. The Chaldeans were excellent archers. I'm talking about they could take an apple off a Roman's head right there. I'm saying, boom. What's up, son? Anyway, so... They waited for the opportune time, and then they'd hit them with an arrow, and they'd take them out. While they're in the middle of a struggle, while they're in the midst of a fight, stuck in the mud, stuck in the muck, and they draw back. Just like the wolves, waiting for the weak prey, waiting for that opportune time, acting like they're not paying attention, and then they'd draw back, and they'd let her rip. If you would, throw up that verse in Psalms for me. Psalms 83, 1 through 5. Again, it's the Holman Christian Standard Bible, because I like the way it says it. But it says, uh, God, do not keep silent. Do not be deaf. God, do not be idle. See how your enemies make an uproar. Those who hate you, see how you is capitalized? They're talking about God's enemies. Now, God's a beast. His enemies aren't our enemies. We're referring to demons here. We're referring to the spiritual realm. We're talking about warfare here, guys. Those who hate you, Father, have acted arrogantly. They devise clever schemes against you. Everybody say clever. Against your people. They conspire against your treasured ones. Everybody say, your treasured ones. They say, come, let us wipe them out as a nation so that Israel's name will no longer be remembered. And now remember, Israel throughout the Bible is God's chosen people. For they have conspired with one mind. They form an alliance against you. We got to wake up, guys. Not only are demons will, but they are a serious threat. They are not our friends. If you would throw that point up for me, Nick. That's my second point here. Demons are not your friends. I know that seems like a pretty, you know, simple thing to know. I mean, I don't want to hang out with no demon. <laughs> no, but listen, listen. They sneak in. They make you believe that it's true. They make, you, they make you think 
that they're on your side, that they're for you, that they're supporting you, that they're, they're about you, and they, they're pushing you forward, and they're like, man, do what's good for you. But they're not your friend. So real quick, going back to the Chaldeans, just a few stories about them. So the Chaldeans were the ones who stole so much from Job. In the book of Job, Job had plenty. He had accumulated a lot of wealth. And they were the ones who went in and stole all that from him. Abraham, you know, everybody know Abraham? Father Abraham, amen. Anyway, so Abraham, he was the one that God said, I'm going to bring you out. And I'm going to make my nation beginning with you. But God called Abraham out of the land of the Chaldeans. He was in the midst of that, and God said, you have to leave. You got to come out. You got to come with me. Many theologians believe that a Chaldean, once in the, in the kingdom of Babylon, snuck in and became friends with the people. Because Babylon didn't like outsiders. They only wanted their people to be king. And so the Chaldean snuck in, acted like he was a Babylonian. He stayed there for 10 years and then became king. And then stuff was jacking up. They said, what is wrong? God wasn't happy. And they realized it and they kicked him out. They got him out. But then years down the road, they go and do the same thing, picking up in Daniel chapter 1. I'm going to start summarizing because I don't want to run out of time here. But the scriptures are here. If you want to look at it yourself, you're more than welcome to. I encourage it. Get into this book for yourselves, guys. So anyway, so in Daniel, Daniel was taken from his home, forced to be a slave along with some friends of his to do the work of the Babylonians. And at that time, the king of the land was King Nebuchadnezzar. Everybody say Nebuchadnezzar. Many people don't know, though, Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. That's where his heritage was from. That's where he came from. And so real quick, a lot I am going to read this because it's important you get it. Go ahead and go to Daniel for me. I'm going to flip to it. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Next one. I lied. Hold on. Mm -hmm. And y'all, I just want y'all to know it is not Nick's fault. It is my fault. I'll be lying to Nick back there. Shame. I'm up here lying at the pulpit. Shame, shame. Let me see here. I keep humming in this mic. I need to quit doing that. Now I'm talking out loud in the mic. Y'all saying, what is wrong with this man? This man on that stuff. Do he got a demon? No, let me quit. <laughs> let me quit. Let me quit. All right, picking up in Daniel. Jumping down to uh, verse 3. And the king spoke unto, hard word, the master of the eunuchs. And he showed, he told him to bring 
certain children up to Israel. And he said, bring the children with no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge and understanding and signs and such, and has ability in them to stand in the king's palace, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. That's verse 4. And so he was still in children from their homeland who they thought were well fit to be leaders, to be warriors. And he said, we need to take them. We need to bring them to our place. And then we need to teach them the Chaldean way. We need to teach them our tongue and our teaching. And the king appointed them daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years. Guys, God is telling us a message in this. He's letting us know that one, remember Chaldeans are demons. This is literally a Chaldean ruler teaching them the way of the Chaldeans. And he's going after the children. He's going after their kids. Y'all, if we don't wake up, these demons are going to sneak in. And they're going to lead your children astray. They're going to lead your people astray. They're going to come into the church. They're going to lead people astray. Picking up in verse 6. It says, now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. Hananiah. Mishael and Azariah. Do those names sound familiar to anybody? Ever like, I know Daniel. No, let me quit. So listen. These are pivotal people in the Bible. These are people that we talk about, that we learn about in Bible school, Sunday school. There's even been a message up here about them. If we go a little bit further, we learn that King Nebuchadnezzar had their names changed. And he had them changed to Hadshak, Meshach, and Abednego. Guys, he was trying to wipe out any trace of their foundation, of who they are in Christ, of who they knew their raising and their teaching was from. He was completely erasing it, coming in and teaching them their ways and changing their names to put him in that shroud, to, to get him in that sense of this is what I'm supposed to be. This is who I am. This is, and that, that's what's so crazy to me because all the time in the Bible, God would be like, oh, what's up? Your name's Simon? Oh, no, you Peter now. You're mine. I'm claiming you. Oh, you were Saul? Oh, now you're about to be Paul and you're about to do work for me. And the devil thinks he can come in and do the same thing. It's counterfeit, guys. It's fake, it's false, and it's jacking with our kids. It's jacking with our families, and we're letting it run amok. So real quick, Nick, if you would play that first video for me. I'm going to give you a background on this real quick before he plays it. So this is a dude called It Man. Everybody say It Man. This dude is a bad mamma jamma. No, let me quit. So, this guy, he's a martial artist, and he is humble as all get out, and he fights to protect people. He fights for good. 
And so some new martial artist comes into town, and there's there's many other there's many other dojos or studios or places of learning for them and stuff. And he's coming in and he's challenging everybody. And he's not only challenging everybody, but he's whooping everybody. And then he says, "You know what? Who is the best?" And they say, "Well, it's Ip Man." And he said, "Well, I'm about to go take down Ip Man." And Ip Man's got a few words for him—not words, some few fists for him. Anyway, watch this video real quick, and then we're gonna talk about it. he throw down. Anyway, I like martial arts. Anyway, so, but guys, there's some real serious points in this video. So listen. He came into his turf, came to his house, and said, "We're about to fight." Instead of immediately expelling him, he entertained him. And began wreaking havoc in his house, began breaking things, trashing the place. And Ip Man was toying with him, as you can tell, because he had a sword and he had like some feather duster thing. <laughs> but. Guys, we can't be toying when it comes to these demons. We can't be toying around when it comes to Satan in our house. We can't be toying around when it comes to the world trying to put its ideas, its, its thoughts, its religion, its beliefs into our households, into our place where our kids are going to learn, where our kids are going to receive. And when his child came down, and said, Mom said, everything's going to be broke. You need to fight. You got to go. You got to do your thing. And he said, that little brat. He said, you don't mess with my kid. And the gloves came off. We've got to protect our households. Mothers, we've got to protect our households. Fathers, we've got to protect our households. We've got to protect our kids. We've got to be pouring into their lives. We've got to be actively talking to them being a part of what they like, what they love. Guys, I was a band student, drumline all day, what's up? But if Roman wants to play football, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to be all about football. I got no idea how the sport is played, but I'm about it because my son's about it. If Roman wants to be an artist, he had a luck because dad can't paint, but <laughs> I'm going to be about it. I'm going to be involved in his life. And I'm going to talk to him about things that people shy away from. Because if not, the world is going to teach him. The world is going to be what's giving him information about sex, what's giving him information about what marriage is, giving him information about what to believe, who to trust, what to do. And I don't want the world teaching my child. It's my job. And he's going to learn from this book and what I believe in my father. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Satan doesn't want that. These demons don't want that. It is literally their job to steal, kill, and destroy. And a lot of people quote the verses, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But it really says, Satan does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. He's not in your house for no reason. He's not hanging out for no reason. That is his job. That is his mission. And he doesn't care how long it takes. He's looking at the end game. 
And so if we're complacent about this little thing, if we let somebody sneak into our camp of Babylon for 10 years and become king, he's won. And that's what they did here in the Bible. That's why Nebuchadnezzar is king in the first place. That's why people are losing ground because they're sleeping on the small stuff. They're staying asleep to these things that are interfering with their children's lives with their own lives, with their family's lives, with your, with your marriage. And we've got to fight it because it's real and there's many. There was a legion in the demon-possessed man we talked about earlier. Countless. Countless. And that was for one person. And the devil wants us to think that we're exempt that was back in the day. We don't have to worry about that. That's not something we got to worry about fighting. Why in the world would Jesus talk to us about this? Why, why would it be in the Bible if it wasn't important for us to hear? Why would we not need to know about this if, if it's in the Scripture? You know what I mean? If you look at Daniel 7 for me, Nick. And he shall speak great words against the Most High. And he shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change the times and the laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and dividing of time. Guys, listen. This ain't talking about people in the world. This ain't talking about the person we know is struggling, going through a bad thing, or is actively pursuing what the devil wants. This is talking about the saints of the Most High. He's actively trying to attack us, guys. He's actively trying to pull our children away, guys. He's actively trying to get us to stumble, to get us to fall, to get us to falter. And we're sleeping on it. I just want to talk a little bit about what that looks like. Say you've been in a marriage for a while. And you love your wife. You love your husband. It's been good. But here lately, you know, you've been, you've been kind of tight. Y'all been arguing. Y'all been fussing. Been fighting a little bit. And so maybe the, the co-worker at work is somebody you talk to. Somebody you can kind of relate to. And then you start hearing thoughts, Man, I really couldn't talk to, to my spouse like this. I really, I, really, I really don't connect to my spouse like this anymore. That's them demons, y'all. They are actively trying to get in our head. They can't hear our thoughts, but they could sure put thoughts in there. They can't hear what's going up in here. They're not omniscient. That is God's place. God's above it all. He's here for it all. But I'm telling you, the demons are trying to be. They're trying to, to wipe it out, guys. They don't want to see a healthy marriage thriving. They want it to tank. They don't want to see you getting breakthrough, getting freedom. They want you to believe that you're going to be forever bound in bondage. Because if they can keep you in that defeated state, 
you're not going to do anything for the kingdom of God. They're going to tell you, hey, didn't you just slip up yesterday? Why are you trying to live for God? They'll make you think your spouse isn't good enough. They'll make you think it's not important to talk to your kids. Oh, they'll, they'll figure it out. Oh, that's awkward. I don't want to talk about that to them. Oh, that's the other parent's job. That's not me. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to serve in kids. That, that's a woman's place. What? No, <laughs> Where else are they going to get father figures from? We have got to quit sleeping. And we have got to realize that we've got to fight back. And we can't be playing. Ip Man was playing with this guy. He spanked him on the butt for crying out loud. You know what I mean? He was playing. And when it comes to demons, we cannot be playing with them in our house. If we see a sign of something going awry with our children, we've got to stop it. And on top of that, we got to be at the forefront of it. we got to be making moves to counter it. Well, my child, he, he, he or she been, been been not coming to church here lately. You know, they, I feel like they're not as close to God as they have been. What are you doing about it? I tell you what, Roma's going to be on church on Wednesdays. Is he going to be at church Sunday too? It's my job. Well, they got a car now. Well, they're so busy with X, Y, or Z. And I'm not saying extracurricular activities are bad. But why is it that every time something comes up, God's put on the back burner? Why is it that every time we got something important to do, oh, I can miss church. I can schedule this on a church thing. It'd be all right. I can miss church this round. And believe me, I'm not, I'm not saying you can't take a vacation. Believe me, I need one. I get it. I go to the beach. I love the beach. If I don't take Kanan to the beach, she's going to be mad. <laughs> no, I quit. It's, oh, I'm not saying. See, that's what I was talking about earlier where you got people on this side and you got people on this side. You can't ever miss church. You better be in church, by golly. Well, man, I, I ain't about to. I'm be, I'm be hunting. I'm sure about being that deer state. You know what I mean? Like, you can't hunt Friday, Saturday. We got to be in the middle. And I ain't saying you can't take a Sunday off to go hunt. I'm saying, but we got to be in the middle. We can't be extremists, guys. The only thing we need to be an extremist about, that man up there. So real quick, I've laid a foundation, but now I can talk about the meat of the message, the what I want to talk about. So uh, go ahead and turn to First uh, Samuel for me, Nick. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 3. So Samuel's the king here, and they've been going to battle. They've been warring. They've been whooping tail. And God's saying, all right, this is a fight. I need you to fight. I need you to handle business. And he tells them, I need you to go to the Amalekites, and I need you to utterly destroy them. There's that word again. Everybody say, utterly destroy and so Saul says, okay, cool. I got this. I'm sorry, not Saul, Samuel. Samuel says, okay, cool. I'm lying, it is Saul. Anyway, Saul says, <laughs> Saul says okay, cool, come. I got this. But Saul gets there, and God says, I need you to destroy everything. 
the men, the women, the children. Wipe them out. And we're like, dang God, whoa, time out, the children. He says, if it looks good, destroy it. Take nothing. Get rid of it all. And so Saul goes up in there. He's slaying the men, no problem. No big deal. He gets to a woman. He says, oh, she looking kind of good. Ain't about to kill her. Come on, girl, slave camp. Let's go. He gets to the children. He says, we, we could raise them up. They could be warriors. He starts burning all the trash. Look, God, I'm destroying it. I'm getting rid of it for you. I got you. I got you, Father. Destroyed that by this gold? No. I'm going to keep that. Hold on. You didn't, you didn't really mean all that. Destroy all that? No. And so he starts keeping stuff, taking spoils. And so God says, I can't use, I can't use Saul anymore. He's not listening to me. He's not paying attention to me. He's, he's putting self in the equation. I need someone who's going to follow me, who's going to be an extremist for me. And so God, first off, God don't tell you to do something for nothing. Amen. So listen, he told Saul to utterly destroy them. Because if not, they were going to wipe them out. And so years go by, and Saul is constantly battling the Amalekites. He is constantly in battle with them, fighting after them, and then they ultimately take his life. Because children grow up. And they can either be on the good side or the bad side. They can either be on God's side or Satan's side. But in this case, God said, I already know. I've been trying to reach them, but they won't heed my words. They've got to be destroyed. And so Saul said no. He kept the pet around. He let the Amalekites wreak havoc in his house, y'all. And then they, it ultimately killed him. And if we don't utterly destroy the thoughts of my spouse ain't good enough, if we don't utterly destroy the fact that we want to be best friends with our kids, but not parents. They're going to run astray, guys. It is our job to fight for what's ours. It is our job to be good stewards of what God has given us. Because there is an enemy that is real, that is fighting actively to take it away. So we got to step up. We've got to step up. The other time God said to utterly destroy something was the Chaldeans. He said they got to be wiped out. And the good news is the same thing is going to happen with the demons. They're going to be wiped out. They're going to be bound and tossed into the lake of fire. And we're going to be set free. But while we're here on this earth, we can't stay naive we can't stay in this sense of security. We've got to be on guard on our house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you would show that image for me, Nick. 
It says sometimes you don't even realize what God is doing for you. I know it's a little blurred, but it's a man walking with his head down, hands in his pockets. And there is spiritual warfare going on all around him. And guys, I'm telling you, that thought of, I'm not really worth it. Maybe I should take my life. That is not from you. And that is not from God. That is demons whispering in your ear. And we've got to cast it out. Just like Jesus cast them out of the swine. Just like Paul cast it out of the soothsaying woman. And I like the Holman Christian Standard Version because it said he got aggravated. But it said after many days of following around yelling. You got to yell at me for like five minutes. I'm done with you. You know what I mean? They followed him around for many days. I believe, like I said, he don't, he don't put stuff in here by accident. For some reason, we let this crap follow us around for many days. We continue to struggle. Not only that, but we set up the enemy to fight us. Well, I'm struggling with pornography. Well, quit bringing your phone into the bathroom. Kick it. I'm really not feeling close to my wife right now. Are you making time for her? Are you taking her on a date? I don't feel like my husband's the man for me. Well, quit talking to the other guy. You know what I mean? Like, we have got to fight for what is ours. What I love about that video is that... um. The glove came off when he talked ill about his child. Guys, that's how the church has got to be. The gloves have got to come off when Satan comes to try to take our children, or tries to attack our people. We've got to be pouring into their lives. The young, they're going to be the future leaders. It's just, a, it's just a snowball effect. This is what's been happening. And this ain't, this ain't new. This is the worst the world's ever been. No, it's not. The Chaldeans were on the earth at one point. You got Sodom and Gomorrah. You got, but guess what? It all led to destruction. We have got to wake up. And we have got to spare our own, protect our own. And I'm not saying destruction's coming for us all. Because guess what? Lot was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and God said, you're doing right. Come with me. Just because a nation's doing wrong doesn't mean we got to, too. Just because a nation's saying some things are right doesn't mean we got to, too. We got to step it up. We got to fight back. And so real quick, I'm going to go through a few more scriptures. I know I'm holding this long. I'm going to pull a Pastor John. Is it, is it all right if I take a five more minutes? I'm run, I know I'm running out of time. Can I get five more minutes? Maybe five more minutes. Thank you, thank you. Okay, thank you, thank you. Let me see. So real quick, if you were to turn to John 8, verse 33. So Jesus is teaching in the church again. Everybody say the church. 
He's teaching to his people. And before, before this, he was telling them, you know, of all the good things of Christ and Jesus and how you need to be this and how you need to do this and I am the way and I am the life. And they're like, heck yeah, Jesus, we believe it. But then he gets down to this. And he asked, he said, he said, sorry, real quick, I need to go back a verse. Mm-mm-mm-mm. There I go, humming in this mic again. Give me just a second here. And again, it's not Nick's fault. It's my fault. I'll be lying to Nick back there. Nick said, why you be lying to me, man? Give me just a second. I'm about to be there. And so Jesus told him, and he said, you guys are in bondage. And believers are in chains and in shackles. And he said, only through me can you be set free. And this is their reply to him. He said, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those, the Jews, which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Next verse. And they answered him, we be Abraham's seed. Everybody say, we be. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou? We shall be made free. Oh, they said, we're Abraham's seed. We're, we're with you, Jesus. We've never been in bondage. What do you mean we can be free? First off, that's a lie right there. Have, have we not read, you know, the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus? The whole, the whole book of Exodus is about being set free, you know what I mean? Like, they've been in bondage several times, and when they make this statement, they're in bondage to the Romans. They're serving the Romans while they're saying this. We've never been in bondage. And Jesus answered them, verily, verily, seriously, important, pay attention. That's what that means. I say unto you, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth forever. Go next. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Everybody say free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me. Because my word have not a place in you. I speak that which I have seen in my father and that which you have seen in your father. And they answered and said unto Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that I've told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. And then they said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed and come from God. I didn't come of myself, 
but he who sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Go to the next. So he's going back and forth with the congregation. They're saying, we, we're, we're not in bondage. He's like, I'm, I'm looking at you and I'm telling you, you you're in chains. I said, like, what are you talking about? I'm a believer. I can't be bound. I can't be in trouble. I, I, I got to be perfect. You've already saved me, Jesus. That doesn't mean you're not walking around in defeat. That doesn't mean you're not struggling with an issue. And we've got to quit being fake about these things because that's where the demons, that's where Satan, that's where they want you. They want you to act like you're fine, that everything's okay. But until we get real with Jesus and say, I, I messed up in some areas. I'm struggling with some things, and I need to lay it down. That's when we can get freedom. That's when we can be set free. If you would go to point number four, Nick. But I got good news for you. We have the power to fight when we let God rule. When we let him have his way in our heart, in our soul, in our mind. It's easy to say, Jesus, be my Savior. We get that part. But to truly be Lord of your life, to truly have a leg up in combating the spiritual forces that are attacking us on the daily, plotting and scheming cleverly, remember, to take our kids away, to ruin our marriages, to jack up our households. May God say, God, I lay down myself, and I'm going to do your will, your way, what you want. And we got to wake up and quit thinking it can't happen in the church. We've already seen it. We've seen pastors fall, commit adultery. We've seen youth pastors do unthinkable things with kids. And we don't want to talk about it, but it's real. And the devil says, yeah, don't talk about that. Just let that keep happening. Don't, don't, don't bring that up. Why are we talking about this? Why, why, are you, why, are you, why are you revealing my schemes? Why are you? Guys, I can't tell you how much spiritual warfare just on my behalf I've had about bringing this message. He doesn't want us to know these things, and he wants us to stay in defeat and stay oblivious and naive to what his true attacks and schemes are. But we've got to wake up and we've got to take an active stance in protecting our homes. Real quick, Nick, if you'll go to Matthew 17 for me. So our hope and our, our ability to fight demons is through God, through Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. And he's given us that ability. He's given us that ability. And so a demon-possessed person came to the disciples, and they said, hey, I need some help. This person's possessed. Come help them. And they said, I got you. Jesus said, I can do this. I'm on it. And when it came time, they couldn't. 
They said, I can't cast this demon out. What is wrong? And so they went and got Jesus. Then came the disciples to Jesus and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. For I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, does this sound familiar? Say to this mountain, move, and it shall be removed, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. We quote this verse all the time, but do we know what it's talking about? He's not talking about a mountain. He's talking about casting demons out, and we don't want to talk about it. Guys, just because you're a believer, just because you're a Christian, doesn't mean demons aren't plaguing you. They attack because they want you to live in a defeated place so you can't have victory, so you can't grow up, so you can't be that light and beacon for God. And so they're going to keep tripping you up with the thing that they know that works. They said they're clever and they're scheming. They know our habits. They know what we do. Listen, David was supposed to be at war, but he said, I'm going to stay home. He said, I'm not going to do the will of God. I'm going to stay in my palace. I'm going to let other people go to battle. And so then he goes up on his roof like he always does and sees who? Bathsheba. Bathsheba bathing on the roof. Demons are smart, guys. That was calculated. That was planned. First they said, David, aren't you tired? You don't have to go to war this time. You ain't got to go to church this round. Why don't you hang out at the house? So he chills. And then the devil says, all I've got to do is give him the opportunity. And I just keep giving him opportunities. Because ultimately the choice is ours. And that's where we play our part. The choice is ours. And what is so amazing is that no matter what we're going through, back to the man in the tombs, in the cemetery, he was possessed with legions. And he still ran up and worshiped God. The devil's going to tell you because of what you're doing, what you're going through, whatever your sin is, that you cannot get close to God. That is a lie from the pit of hell, and we need to cast it back. It's okay. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to close. I heard from a pastor one time that you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out a person. We got to distinguish between which. If it's an issue of you, it can be discipled. It can be walked through. We can get in scripture. We can get in word. You can get an accountability partner. But then we got to wake up and realize, I keep falling in this area. This mess keeps happening. I've repented about this sin over and over to God. I begged him to take it, and it did. I keep falling. That's not you, guys. That's a demon. And the devil wants you to think that because we're believers, we can't have a demon following us around. We can't have a demon plaguing our minds and trying to get us to jack up. But what is so awesome about this is that we don't need to be afraid because there's demons. Because that means we can be set free. That's literally what he said. 
free indeed. And we're walking around saying, I've never been bound. I've got nothing wrong. Guys, that's where he wants you. And so I'm asking you today, if my worship team would come up, I'm asking you today, have you been battling with the demon? Have you been struggling with an issue? Has thoughts been entering your head? Maybe my spouse ain't the one. Kiddos, maybe, maybe you've been thinking church ain't for me. This God stuff is hard, boring, dull. I keep failing, I keep falling in this area. There is freedom, there is breakthrough.